welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 58, The Dark Fae. Listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And I'm Olivia. And- <laughs> <laughs> See, sadly, Annie is not is not with us today, but we do have a guest, which I'm very excited about because she's a friend of mine. My friend Elizabeth is here. Elizabeth and I have known each other. How long have we known each other now? Uh since like two thousand and two or so? Yeah, over ten years. Wow. Long time. We went to college together. And Elizabeth is still going to college like a smart person. She is working on her her dissertation about religion and comics. And you're working toward which degree again? I always forget. A PhD in religion. In religion. Yeah, okay. So. I always want to like use theology because it makes it sound, I don't know, classier. But because of the ology. Because of the ology. It it's Latin. It's got Latin-y sounds. Oh, well, I could. I can also say... I have an option in my degree. I can also say I'm part of religious and theological studies, which if you think Ooh. sounds better, we'll go with that. <laughs> it does. Schmizzy. That sounds very fancy. Yeah, well, there you go. But, uh, and and as far as a drink special this week, you had a recipe that you wanted to share with people? Oh, sure. Uh, so I have a pretty snazzy Bloody Mary recipe, which Stephanie tells me it's actually a bloody bull because it can involve beef broth if one wants to, you know, kill an animal to make your drinks, which, you know, sounds pretty dark. But yeah, they're delicious. So please, please make them. But it's appropriate for the dark because the dark are pretty bullheaded. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm wondering if we could maybe, I don't know, I feel like we, we should maybe sneak horse in there somewhere to get like a Purpose reference. <laughs> I'm not drinking horse, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll drink a bull or a Mary. <laughs> oh, okay, good point. <laughs> but today we are talking about the Dark Fae as a group. We will talk a little bit about some specific Dark Fae characters, but we're mostly talking about the Dark Fae as a group. And particularly, we're going to talk about the Dark Fae as kind of the evil entity in the world of Lost Girl. But I thought we would kind of start by talking about what are the differences between the light and dark fae, because we really don't know all that much. Yeah, it seems like the main thing that they've mentioned is that the light fae don't kill humans, whereas the dark seem to be kind of okay with that. Yeah, but the light, I mean, they'll make humans pretty miserable. I mean, and they seem to not well, have sure, a problem but, with But they're not going to kill them. <laughs> yeah. They don't, I mean, occasionally. I mean, given the option between killing a human and hurting a fae or even inconveniencing the fae, I mean, we're pretty disposable, I think, for both of them. Uh, Stephanie brought up that the Blackthorn says that the light fae are more like Native American hunters that they respect the kill and don't overhunt or eat the young. And I just, I'm not sure that's true. Like, I mean, I think both of them are trying really hard not to get caught. I mean, that overarching value of like, we've got to keep our whole society secret from the humans. I mean, if you kill enough people, people notice, right? And so you, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're both kind of sharing that value of let's just not get caught. I don't know. 
Yeah, the Blackthorn, the way that he differentiates the two groups, what he says about them is, the Dark Fae tend to kill humans for pleasure, not just need, whereas the Light Fae he compares to the Native American hunters. We respect the kill, won't overhunt, don't eat the young. And then, of course, he calls Bo an obnoxious vegan, and I love that as a vegetarian. <laughs> I actually really like that. Yeah. And I also like the fact that Anna Silk is vegan, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But I'm going to go ahead and assume not obnoxious. <laughs> well, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So we have them maybe set up as sort of different philosophical schools in regards mm -hmm. to humans, how they feel about humans. Mm -hmm. And we have seen the Light Fae espouse, or at least try to pretend to espouse more warm and fuzzy ideas about humans. I'm reminded of Olivia in Fatal Attraction. Mm -hmm. Where she comes to Bo to, I need you to kill this human. And Bo's like, why are you asking me? And she says, well, we really are supposed to frown upon this. Sure. So at least putting on this pretense of we shouldn't just kill a human for no reason. And if we're not going to feed off of them or something like this. Sure. But at the same time, you know, we've seen the lines are kind of fuzzy mm -hmm. between what Light Fae will do to humans versus Dark Fae. But we also see a lot of conflict between the two different clans. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So are they kind of like warring factions for some reason? Sure. Well, they talk a lot about the different clans, like different families. Um, so at times it feels like sort of just a like warring families, like somewhere way back in Fey history, there was some conflict between two family groups. And then just all these people grew off of that. Uh, it gets a little funny because it's not exactly family, although most people seem to tend to go, or most Fae tend to go with the group that their family was. We've seen several examples of people going outside of their own family group to join the other side. You know, like there were those two brothers who one of the brothers decided to join the dark just to tick off his dad, you know? So, I mean, right. That was the Kavanaugh brothers, yeah, the I Kavanaugh think, brothers. in Fade. Good remembering. But so people tend to go outside families, but overall they are, they seem to be under some sort of clan system, or at least the more powerful people are members of different, of families, established families. So I was thinking about like the Hatfields and McCoys and, you know, the Montagues and the Capulets and stuff like that. So just maybe they're more like families and just the ideas that, you know, maybe the idea that they treat humans differently or have different attitudes about chaos or about order are really just sort of rumor, right? So we talk like one family talks about another family like, oh, they're so stodgy. You know, I can't believe they you know, are stuck in this mindset. And the other family says, oh, they're so, you know, wacky and wild and out of control. But really, it's more rumor from the other side rather than an internal kind of a narrative that they tell each other. Or maybe a little bit of both. But I think we do get a better sense in season four, there's more of a hint of perhaps how the light and the dark originated. Because we get more backstory on Trick and Trick is the Blood King. Sure. And season four, at least in my opinion, seemed to suggest that perhaps the light and the dark originated over the conflict about the Blood King. We had people who didn't want to follow the Blood King, thought he was corrupt, and mm -hmm. the people who supported the Blood King. Sure. Which makes it seem like it's more of a perhaps a political disagreement mm -hmm. that got them to where they are now. And the Morrigan does call them a two-party system. 
And it's a fey, 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 fey world when she meets Bo. Sure. I mean, I think there are definitely elements of that. There did seem to be a conflict before people were supposed to follow the Blood King or not. You know, that there's some there's some conflict that the Blood King enters into. You know, like it's not solely about him. At least that's the way I understood it from, especially from like season two, when they were talking about uh, different battles that he was going into and like thinking about maybe there's this prior conflict that he enters into and then the lines get more heavy after that political disagreement you're talking about. So I wish they would tell us, I wish they would tell us a little more about sort of the prehistory part, like how, what, what is the misunderstanding or the disagreement? Of course, you know, the show gets to pick out wants to do this, right? But it would be kind of fun, I think, to figure out more details about that. You know, how real is it? A lot of times those conflicts come totally from, you know, myth, but these are people that live a really, really long time. So some of them may have memory of the actual conflict. So what is it? You know, what happened? It does overall kind of feel like one of those things that started out as a genuine disagreement, Mm -hmm. but has kind of devolved into a high school-esque click, (laughs) like, like a reinforced or enforced system of, of choosing your high school click. (laughs) nice yeah okay i like it i mean it's also i mean a lot of these these systems right they you know who knows exactly where they come from and we can talk a lot about sort of the mythology that comes from where these things come from but actually where we tell ourselves the conflict comes from in different groups well in other words why my group is different from your group in some way the origin story that we tell ourselves might have more to do with what it's like now than it really had to do with history. So, I mean, this is a good show. So like that holds true, like what people are, what the different Fae are telling each other about what the dark and light are changes as they go. So Lost Girl is very much a show that's set in a good versus evil type of situation, right? We have we have Bo, who's our hero. She's our champion. She's our representation of good, even though she's not 100% good 100% of the time. You know, she's our she's our heroine. She's supposed to be good battling evil and sort of this larger battle of good versus evil. And many times during the course of the series, the Dark Fae have really been our representation of evil within the Lost Girl universe. And Elizabeth brought this up as what she maybe wanted to talk about, and I thought it was a really interesting idea because especially thinking back to the first season, if like you look at the the pilot episode, which we've mentioned before, is actually episode eight. It's Vex. Vexed. Make sure I get that ED on there. <laughs> you know, the the dark, especially Vex, is are portrayed so evil. Mm-hmm. Because in that episode, we learned that Vex, by his, you know, superior's orders, was made to to make a woman kill her chil- her stepchildren, to physically drown them and put her on trial mm-hmm. as punishment for loving a human. And, you know, Bo is our main character, our human lover, that really paints them as a very evil entity in opposition to Bo's values. Plus, he makes a vampire shove his arm down a garbage disposal, which is extremely creepy to me, um, but a great character introduction. But yeah. Upsetting. Yeah, terribly upsetting. <laughs> Makes me creeped out every time I turn on the garbage disposal. But there you go. 
So, so yeah, so we have the Dark Fae who have often been portrayed as evil, but I was thinking about it, and it is kind of interesting that if you think about kind of the big bads of the show in seasons one through three, all of them were neither dark nor light, because mm-hmm. you had Aoife, though she said while she was Sasuke, she was Dark Fae, you know, when she's actually doing her evil stuff, she's saying she hates, she says to Bo, you know, you hate the system as much as I do, so I don't know that Aoife's really aligned with either mm-hmm. side, not really. Mm-hmm. And we had the Garuda in season two, who wasn't even Fey. He was a, a creature that fed on the Fey. Mm-hmm. And then we had Taft the human in season three. I'm unsure of how Pyrapus fits into this whole scheme, because there's a suggestion that Bo's father was a dark king. So Pyrapus might be aligned with the dark Fey. I'm not entirely sure. But the show did seem to, at least in their big bads, try not to have them be, be dark Fey. But at the same time, the dark Fey are often adversaries. Yeah, I think it's good and complicated. I mean, that's what we want. And that Bo is unaligned and wants to be unaligned and is constantly saying how she doesn't want either side makes the conflict all that more interesting, right? That really, we keep pulling back toward this idea that, oh, well, the dark say they're dark, so they must be bad. And the, the light say they're light, so they must have the right idea. But the show is keeps, when it gets the most interesting, keeps trying to pull us out of those dualisms right so it's not light dark it's just conflict value conflict but i will say at the same time we we do have Bo having much closer ties with the light fae for the first two seasons we didn't have any main characters who were dark fae we had vex and the morgan but they were more they're more recurring characters if you compare them to somebody like tamsin tamsin's really a main character mm-hmm and so when we finally did get a Dark Fae main character, it seemed like Tamsin, especially this season, like expressed some regret about being Dark Fae. And so, I don't know, I feel like we haven't had a strong main character who was Dark Fae included on the show quite yet. I mean, Vex is always on the line because they, they have been including him more and more, it feels like, over the seasons. But again, it's like he gets included more when he's less dark. When people are dark fey and proud of it, they come into conflict with our main characters. So, yeah, Tamsin's uncomfortable, especially after, you know, getting raised by Kenzie. I think that's really where she starts and and having Bo not really like her that much because she's dark, or at least that's what she thinks is going on, that, that Bo doesn't really like me because I'm dark. And, you know, or trust me. So I think that's why she might regret it, because the people around her are not not as accepting as she thinks. Maybe they would be if she was light or unaligned. It is kind of interesting now that you mention it. It is a recurring thing that really all the dark characters who've shown up have been more featured the closer they are to middle ground. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's Ryan... In season two, who I think he was he was working for the Ash, wasn't he? Yes. Is why he even ended up talking to Bo in the first place. So And they make a point of telling us about Ryan that he doesn't always follow the strict rules about how Dark Fae shouldn't associate with Light Fae, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So he was more more middle ground. Right. Which is always it's I mean, that's more in line with Bo as a character. So it makes sense to me in that regard. That the closer they get to Bo, story-wise, is directly related to how close they are to her allegiance-wise, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Sure. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the the show, I mean, makes a good point of like the people that are in those fuzzy areas are more interesting, right? They're more interesting to talk to because if somebody is 100% all the time light, you know, never questions, never wavers, they're not as interesting to the conflict that we're looking at. Or if they're, you know, all the time dark, it's not quite as interesting to the conflict. So, yeah. Getting back to Bo's sure. relationship to to the Dark Fae, you know, she's been called on several times for, oh, supposedly you're unaligned, but you only hang out with Light Fae folks. Ryan calls her on this, and then she gets called on it again in season three in Phase Against the Machine when, when she and Tamsin go to the Dark Fae bar. And so it's like the, the show is admitting that Bo is less connected to the Dark than she is to the Light, even though she's supposed to be unaligned. But we haven't really seen a whole lot of movement toward making her more connected to the dark. I felt like even this past season when Bo was aligned with the dark, we still didn't really get as good of a sense of the dark Fae as we have of the light Fae. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which is mostly due to the alliances of the main characters. So, right. Right. So, so again, I feel like because of, of this relationship that Bo has with the dark, they are, it's much easier to paint them as sort of the adversaries as the evil entity on Lost Girl than it is the Light Fae, even though we've seen them both do evil things. Right. Well, I think we see the Dark do more obvious evil things. I think when the Light does bad stuff, like how they treated Lauren and Nadia and all that kind of stuff, um, I mean, that was not just some random Light Fae doing it, but like the actual leader of this group. So like under the official banner of Light, you know, putting somebody in a coma and manipulating somebody into working for you for a very long time is, I mean, that's pretty evil, you know? It's not child murder, but it's still pretty evil. Yeah, that does seem to be the prominent difference is that the Light Fae are sort of more secretive about their misdeeds. The Dark seem almost proud of it. A little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. But let's talk a little bit about Bo becoming dark in the fourth season, because I feel like Elizabeth has a different perspective on it than I do. And I think this could be interesting. We're going <laughs> to fight. fight. We're going to fight. <laughs> and then she will no longer call you my friend, Elizabeth. <laughs> my former friend, Elizabeth. But because in, in the fourth season, we see that Bo, the unaligned succubus, is suddenly aligned. And she is not sure how this happened because of this big memory gap. Mm -hmm. And the way that it unfolds is that we see she, it was part of a plan that she set in motion to make sure that she got back to the train and could could rescue Rainer. So what was what was your perspective Elizabeth on the whole fa on the fact that Bo became aligned in season right. 4? So I I think the reason that she thought cuz she says later that why she are in the flashback is why she wants to do it is to see because she'd really pay attention. She'd know something really important happened if she ended up dark. And she's trying to do something to herself on the train that makes her, that, that will last. In other words, that once she gets off the train, she'll still have around. And there doesn't seem to be really objects that she can take that much. I mean, she does have her knife that she takes when she goes off the train. But she needs something that'll really make her sit up and pay attention. And the thing... When she gets so angry that she's dark, it's not, I think, not because she's dark, but because she's aligned. That she gets really angry because, like, her whole brand is unaligned succubus. 
And so she doesn't want to bow to these different binaries. She doesn't want to make these choices. She wants to, you know, about the light or the dark or her sexuality or her purpose or all those things. She's trying to remain unaligned. And I think the becoming dark thing was more just an opportunity. Like, well, what can we do? Well, you're dark. I guess I could sign up, meaning Rainer. You're dark. So I guess I could sign up with your team. And then when I get home, I'll still be signed up to that team, I think is what's going on. But what do you think, Stephanie? See, I think that they she chose to align herself with the dark very purposefully because I think in her heart of hearts, Bo knows if it came to a situation where she had to choose, there was a knife to Kinsey's throat, knife to her own throat, whatever, and she had to choose light or dark, that she would choose light. And so I think the fact that she purposefully aligned herself with the dark was an extra, like you said, you need to pay attention to this. That would provide her extra motivation to get back on that train and figure out what had happened because maybe she could live with being light, but the idea of being aligned to the dark, I think, does not sit easily with her. But I will say that whole thing, that kind of storyline got a little dropped. Mm -hmm. I thought she'd be a little more angry and motivated by Mm -hmm. it in season four than she ended up being because it kind of gets dropped. And then at the end of, of the in the season finale, she was like, I need to get back to who I am. I'm tearing up my contract. I'm not aligned anymore. But they didn't really use that as a big piece of her storyline for, for a good chunk of the season there. Yeah, I still think it's opportunity because she couldn't have aligned herself with the light on the train. I mean, if she'd had a, you know, there's nobody there to sign her contract and sign her up, you know. I mean, I see what you're saying, that she'd pay more attention to herself, like wonder more about what she's doing. But I still think if she'd become aligned either way, it would have been pretty, she would have sat sat up and taken notice, you know, either way. Just because, I mean, that's what she says. My brand is being unaligned. I mean, and again, I think that's one of the main things that makes the show really work is the fact that there's this you know, at the center of the show, she's not aligned, you know, and she doesn't want to be and she wants to work outside of these authorities. But hey, I'm willing to entertain your thoughts, Stephanie. That's, you know. (laughs) Well, because that was something I was actually never really sure about was that I wasn't entirely sure how Rainer could have been aligned because it seemed like he was banished to the train before that whole system emerged. See, this is my evidence so, that there's I don't some know. system in place before the Blood King, that there's some lights and darks going on before the Blood King, and he just makes the laws that keep them separated. So, uh, because remember, I I can't remember exactly when it was, but I mean, the dark is also pretty impressed by the Blood King, even if they're not necessary everybody's following his laws even if they're not necessarily politically under him when he was an actual king right because everybody's following the blood king's laws i think they do say in fade that he's the one who created the light and dark system though oh, okay didn't they yeah mm-hmm. yeah they did okay i just thought it was like it, but we're just not sure when part. when he did that in relation yeah. to yeah yeah banishing rainer i don't know right because because trick limits in at the end of season four that due to the system that he had created mm-hmm. he had to turn his daughter over to the dark for punishment right yeah even though well it's the system though right so so i think that there's a 
what I think came was before that was just, there were just these two groups and they just sort of related. However, but that the, the real systematized, you can't have sex with each other. You have to only, you know, be around each other in certain territories. You know, there's all these system rules is what he created. That's how I understood it anyway. I don't know. We have questions. It's still all kind of fuzzy. We're going on like bits and pieces that we get here and there. So thinking of the Dark Fae as, you know, the evil entity on the show, which Mm -hmm. they've kind of defined, especially with Bo's relationship with the Dark, her being our, you know, our heroine, our lead character. You, Elizabeth, you were talking about how there are sort of different models of evil. And maybe you could explain that a little better. Well, sure. Okay. So when we say evil, what I generally mean is just this sort of umbrella term to take under all those things that sort of mainstream society thinks of as not good, just the absence of good. But there are different models of evil that treat that which is bad as an abomination. Like in other words, there's a natural state of good that we're supposed to be in. But if things go wrong, then there's evil disobedience, that there's rules that we have to follow. And when you don't follow the rules, that's when you get evil. Things like egoism, in other words, it's just selfishness that's cre- that creates that which is evil, or that people are corrupt in some other way, that they've got their sociopaths, for example. Um, I mean, all these are different kind of models of evil, right? So it depends on how you think of the world, like in other words, what model of world you have kind of depends on where you think evil comes from, which is why it's such a huge philosophical topic, right? The problem of evil you may have heard of, or the theodicy is like the problem of evil in, if there's a benevolent God, how is there evil? So this is another thing that people study, right? So, but there are all these different models of sort of how bad things get into the world, whether the world is corrupt already and, you know, good things enter into it or anyway, all these different things are different models of evil. But I think for the dark in particular, the evil that we're talking about is really interesting in that it's not quite like these other forms of evil. Like uh, we were talking about how they are actually pretty rule bound They have a really strict protocol. I mean, they make a lot of claims to being chaotic, but really they have these, you know, a council of elders. They have at least some leadership. They've got the Morgan who we totally need to talk about. And, you know, all these. And they've been, they've been like the most consistent in regards to their leadership between the light and the dark. That's right. So we've just had one Morgan with a little hiccup of another Morgan for a little while. But yeah, so, but the light, they just, they've been running through them. So, hmm, I don't know how that goes. And they're also, I was talking about earlier how there's a model of evil that sees egoism as a source of evil, that in other words, it's individual selfishness that creates evil. Certainly the dark might have some of that going on. They all tend to be interested in their individual survival Although, like other people, the light included, seem to have a species of this too. You know, everybody's interested in the show and their own survival. This is no surprise, right? But they do tend to be a little more individually self-interested. Does that make sense? That they're not concerned with the overall 
fate of the Fae. Yeah, and I think uh, the what happens in Into the Dark is a really good example of that. Yeah, in going through all this rigmarole, Bo could only find really one person to, you know, just Vex is the only team dark she could pull in to fight the Garuda. So if there's general interest in the whole fate of the group, the lights got that at the expense of humans, if necessary, and also at the expense of individuals. So if it's good for the light, then we need to sacrifice that person. Whereas with the dark, they're all just sort of more individually like everybody for themselves. Because we see in what I was getting at and into the dark, we, the, that Vex is in a conflict about, with the Red Caps over football, i.e. soccer, to, to the American audience here. And what the Morrigan wanted was some sort of goose. What was it? Goose? I don't know. Sex goose. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something sex, But it was some sort of like goose. goose secretion of some kind that was supposed to be like one of the best, you know, orgasms or whatever that you could ever experience. So, yeah. So very much this sort I of me, I think they me, call me, it me. Fae Viagra, don't they? Yeah. Fae Viagra. <laughs> so very much this me, me, me. Yes, the... The phase system might be coming down, but we're going to have petty arguments over football and try to get have some feel good time using some goose jizz or whatever. And <laughs> gross, gross, Stephanie. I'm sorry, I had to go there. Apparently, uh, yeah. So very much. This, Why did this... you have to go there? <laughs> Just did. There. Annie's not here. I got to. I was going to say, is it I because gotta... Annie's not here? And you I got to felt... step up my game. Okay. That's right. But uh, so yeah, so there's there's that. It, that episode is a very good example. I think also mm-hmm. It's Better to Burn Out Than Fay Away is another one where we see Bianca try to take her revenge on the Morrigan for treating her so poorly. She commits Harry in front of, of Vex and the Morrigan. And after she does, they turn to each other and like, I'm so sorry that we were manipulated by this person. Just have no feeling whatsoever for the fact that this this young woman felt so horribly used that she concocted this huge plan to get back at them and then killed herself. Well, because they're jerks. <laughs> they're totally jerks. I mean, nobody's defending them or anything. I don't want to say that. Of course, they're jerks. But their jerkiness is so on their sleeve. Like, it's so out in the open. I, I don't know. I feel like the light does a lot of nefarious things that are just, they're better at hiding, or at least they care to hide it. You know, I mean, keep in mind, not only did they show no feeling for this poor woman who had just stabbed herself in front of them, but they did it in front of Bo. I mean, so they didn't care if she saw, whereas I feel like, I mean, this is really sociopathic behavior there, but even not because a good sociopath would know to fake it, you know, like just fake it a little. um, And then you can get more out of Bo, but they don't even care. I mean, so I don't know. I just, I don't trust them. I don't want to say that, but I trust them to be them. In other words, I trust the dark to be dark. So I just feel like there's a lot of consistency with their behavior, even if it's overall pretty psychotic, you know? No, I'm with you. And that was another aspect of their model of, of evil that you mentioned is that they're occasionally quite psychotic or criminal in their behavior. Yeah. So yeah, not people I want to invite to a dinner party, but really fun to watch on TV. I mean, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. I mean, the the light phase sort of pay a lot of lip service to doing the honorable thing, but 
yeah, behavior doesn't necessarily match what they say. Yeah. How does Kenzie compare them in Let the Dark Times Roll? I think she says the Light Fae are jerks, essentially, and the Dark Fae are jerks who have fun. Yeah, I think that is what she says. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as, like, models of evil go, do, does the, the Dark Fae fit into one particular one? Because it sounded like of the ones you listed, they were maybe a little a little bit of, of this one, a little bit of that one over here. Oh, yeah. And that's how most, I mean, real life doesn't quite work out like philosophical principles. I mean, most... Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Shock. Um, but, I mean, it's a good tool for figuring out sort of what's going on here. But, of course because the show is good and complicated, it doesn't quite fit. I think if I had to name an overall thing, I would just call it modern, like modern evil, meaning in the sense of like modern art, uh, that more contemporary style of like interested in the self. So kind of a twist on, you know, older forms of evil are like, if you follow the correct rule, you get it. Or if you follow, if you're on the right sort of if you're on the side of nature or against the side of nature, then you're going to turn out good. Modern principles tend to think of individuals as being the center. So let's talk about some of the characteristics that we know about the dark. We've talked about a few of supposedly the main defining characteristic earlier was that supposedly they treat humans worse than the light fade do. But again, we have the sense that it's perhaps more theoretically than in actual practice. Yeah, absolutely. The way they treat Lauren is, or the light treats Lauren is pretty reprehensible. So, and then she's hanging out with the dark now and seems to be okay. And we have, although we have yet to see her, you know, awesome dark digs, which I assume are stylishly appointed somewhere. She's doing pretty well with them. But we do have this, because, you know, getting more specifically into Lauren, she is recruited under false pretenses to the Light Fae yeah. to, and becomes an indentured servant for several years. We see that Lachlan abuses that power over her and, you know, locks her up for a time in a in a cell. And then Hale in season three is all strict and forbidding. And basically, you have to stay here because I'm protecting you. And no, you can't have the slave to go off and think about what have you. Lauren never comes ward of the dark. She's never claimed by the dark because mm -hmm. that's what she's doing in Origin when she goes to, to Ebony is to say, will you claim me? Mm -hmm. And so we do have this example of Lauren getting treated better with the dark. And she even says so. She's like, I come and go as I please. They give me all of these resources. But I don't entirely know if we can use Lauren as a example of how the dark treat humans because I feel like the Morgan had very specific reasons for wanting Lauren to be, to feel at least a little kindly toward her. I was going to say, I would think that Lauren would be extra safe or safer than, you know, a standard human because mm -hmm. Lauren is useful yeah, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, she's a bargaining chip. She's super smart with science stuff. She's apparently one of the foremost medical people in terms of phase stuff. My very technical term there. <laughs> yeah. And we know how much the Morrigan hates Bo. And Lauren is very useful in regards to her grudge against Bo. That's what I meant in terms of bargaining chip. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and if you want to talk about just how the dark have similarly manipulated a human being, I mean, most of the human beings seem for the dark to be disposable unless they're, you know, super genius Lauren. But like, I hate to bring up Massimo, but I have to, right? So he's this guy <laughs> who gets apparently raised by Vex, question mark. Poor uh, guy. Yeah, a poor guy. So he does not turn out well. I mean, if we want to go with the whole, he's got dark from both a nature standpoint and a nurture standpoint. I mean, nurture being used very loosely here. As far as the dark being a good environment for a human, I mean, particularly a human child, that sounds pretty awful. But yeah, so certainly we can talk about the way both sides treat humans as being pretty bad. I mean, there's no, they're interested in their own group. You know, they're interested in the Fae. And if humans get in the way, then obviously they're going to get rid of them. Because I was trying to think of examples where we see how the dark treat humans versus how the light treat humans. So we have the women in Carpe Nocturne, and we learn that a dark figure, I think it was Ball, maybe Vex was aware of it too, they were having these human women mm -hmm. being horribly abused as, as I think, prostitutes, it was insinuated, and then erasing their memories so that they, they don't know. Or maybe they were just being beaten. Either way, bad. Yeah. And so I don't know that we quite have a example to that extreme of Light Fae doing that to humans, but maybe I'm just not thinking of them. Can y'all think of any examples quite that extreme from Light Fae? Mm. No. Well, they're just better at keeping it under wraps. I mean, like we've said, like there, I feel like Bo could at any moment find the evil club that's involved with the light. I mean, the doll's not the only place where the light are hanging out. So I just, yeah, I don't trust them very much. I mean, not that I trust any of them, but yeah, I thought that whole episode that you're talking about where they're, they have the, the girls in the club are, it was interesting because it was never clear whether who exactly knew what was going on? In other words, mm -hmm. was it just all Ball and he was doing this and Ball was, you know, the bad guy? Or did everybody know about it and he just got in trouble because, you know, he picked the wrong girl that his compadre did not like him beating on? Or would they have eventually gotten chastised for it because it was a, it created a situation where they could have gotten caught? You know, it's like we were talking about who the if the humans are food and you sort of overfish your waters, then or if you make humans notice, I mean, that's the main bad thing that you can do as a fae is to make to have humans notice what you're doing. So that does seem like a pretty risky activity to let women walk out with giant bruises on them. I don't know. This is very depressing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I always thought that it was mostly the one guy was like the bad guy rather mm -hmm. than it being some sort of systematic thing. Yeah, and the customers but, were humans, right? I mean, the guy that Bo yes. puts pressure mm -hmm. on to find out what's going on is a human being. So the humans are doing horrible things to each other, too, which humans do horrible things to each other. Right. Which, again, is why I think it's more of an individual thing rather than part of, like, some dark conspiracy yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's one of those things. It's I, I think you're right that it is more about them not finding out rather than them actually caring. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. 
Because similarly, we have in Phase Wise Shut, where Bacchus is using the manta to draw, you know, sexual energy from humans to feed his own sexual appetite. And he does get in trouble with for that, for people finding out. And I think he was Light Fae. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Hey, they're, they're, I think so, too. So that one's not like quite as bad as beating women, but still, that's that's up there. I think in time in terms of of abuse of humans. But he does get in trouble for that because of people potentially finding out about it. Also, I think it was against the rules that he had mated with an underfay, right? Oh, yeah, that seemed maybe. That seems I don't remember right that aspect of the story. I don't know if but it's yeah. against the rules, but I remember they were reacted kind of like oh. <laughs> Like At least I seem to recall yeah. it that way. Yeah. And then the other example I can think of is in Table for Fae, where there was the two sisters whose Fae name I can't remember off the top of my head. Darn it. And they were, well, one of them was coercing the other into draining all of this life all at once from these, these humans mm-hmm. who needed money. And Bo confronts them on this, but when you know she brings ryan into it he's like actually they haven't broken any rules Mm -hmm. so we get the sense that even though they're essentially robbing these humans of their lives that's not against the rules in in regards to the dark fey model and maybe not even in the light fey model Mm -hmm. yeah i get the sense that it doesn't matter matter to either side as long as you're not getting caught and i thought that one was interesting too because one of the dark fey sisters really didn't like this idea you know, like she, she really disapproved. So from some other source of morality, she didn't approve of doing this, of using their powers that way. Sirkets. That's what they were. They were sirkets. Oh, good call. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think of an example where we had, presumably, because I don't think we ever hear what Stella's allegiance is, but given that Trick calls her in, I'm guessing Stella was Light Faye where we have both the light and the dark fae offering up kind of this human buffet mm-hmm. for people to feast on. Because we have Stella in the ceremony lead Bo to this human buffet of models that she's supposed to feed on before her dawning. And then in Let the Dark Times Roll at the the party, the wedding party that the dark fae crashed and turned into their dark Kaylee, there's this human buffet that Bo tells them to leave, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe the light wouldn't, maybe Stella wasn't saying... No, she does say, full feed, you need to kill these people mm-hmm. in order to assume all of their power. Well, and remember the whole issue in the first episode when they find Bo, they find her because she left her kill behind rather right. than properly disposing of it. Right. right. So yeah, I, I think there's ample evidence that even though the dark supposedly treat humans worse than the light, light does bad stuff when it comes to humans and they'll even do the same thing when it comes to humans. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, remember also in let the dark times roll, I think it's let the dark times roll, right? Where they have the, their fancy party set up, but it was because they had killed off the bridal party. Right. 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 Without feeding on them. It seemed like they were just like stabbed and stashed under a table. Right. So, so yeah, so maybe that's the ultimate line is that, Dark Fae will just kill people to kill people. But again, I, I feel like the, the line between what Light Fae will do to humans versus what Dark Fae will do to f- humans is not as well-defined as perhaps they might like to believe. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. So the, the relationship with humans is not the ultimate defining characteristic. Although you're totally right that they're, they do seem to want to kill or 
to be able to kill or want to kill for pleasure, which is generally frowned upon. (laughs) And then as another characteristic of the dark that Elizabeth mentioned earlier is they do seem to be very organized in contrast to the light fae. Yeah. So in, at the end of season one, right, our whole light fae eldership gets blown up or at least most of them. So figuring out they're, they're leaderless or, and they switch leaders quite frequently. Whereas with the dark, We've had, like we said earlier, we've had the Morgan pretty much Ebony for the whole time with just a little hiccup with Vex there. And they they also talk a lot, although we've never really seen them. They talk a lot about their elders. But I'd really love to see some dark elders sometime just because the scorpion man who is killed in... It's better to burn out than fade away. By the graffiti artist... It is the only elder that we've seen and he gets, you know, a shotgun blast almost immediately. So, you know, who are these creepy folks that are in the background pulling the strings and what are their ultimate goals? So, you know, what's the sort of more national regional government of the dark? And as we see at the end season four, we get to actually see the dark hives or the dark hives, as Chris likes to say. Mm-hmm. I do like to say that. That's great. Of the dark fae. Yeah. And if you compare it to what we see of the Light Fae at the end of season one, even that seems to be more organized. So much more organized. They have these adorable little parchment labels on the shelves, which are awesome. I don't know. I work in a library, too. So, yeah, they have labels on their shelves. Whereas the Light, it just seems like everything's just sort of piled on random shelves. Uh, That makes me crazy. But, yeah, so (laughs) not only do they have a dedicated archivist with the whole you know, skin on his head thing, which is weird to be awesome. But they actually seem to keep track of their documents and make sure that their labels are correct, which is great. (laughs) And like Elizabeth mentioned, I think in combination with being more organized, they have this very stable leadership that does seem to dole out very specific punishments for doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It's true. They tend to have a more unruly group to figure out, you know, a a more people with the potential to reveal them to humans and stuff like that. And who are more, seem more resistant to authority figures, but they dole out their punishments pretty regularly. Because we, we see Vex punish Luann for marrying a human in Vexed. We see Vex get punished for making the Morrigan do naked unsexy dances <laughs> and into the they dark have a prison yeah 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 and yeah so it, we see i feel like we see the dark dole out punishment pretty regularly oh and also in yeah. in dead lucky when seymour goes against meyer there's this insinuation that he's being turned over to the dark for punishment for for acting against you know presumably kind of an, a more elder person in the dark fake community and their punishments are also super creepy because we've got the whole idea of uh, Aoife has, is, was punished by like being in some sort of prison and that's how she became pregnant with Bo. So that's creepy. You get like raped in prison and I mean that, that you could potentially have a child in Dark Fae prison. That's creepy. So, I mean, not that the Light Fae prison was that great either. I mean, you also had children in Light Fae prison. So apparently 
going to prison in the Fey world means you're going to have a child. So that's disturbing. I never thought about that. It's such a trend. Oh no! <laughs> but I will say, it seemed like when when Eva was punished, I think that that was not supposed to have happened per the rules that were set. I think the idea was Eva was supposed to be killed, but not be imprisoned and enslaved and for that long period of time. Was that the impression that you had, Chris? It felt like Trick was surprised that that was actually what had happened to Eva. I'm not sure okay. anymore. I will have to go review. I'm so confused by a lot of <laughs> the timeline of everything, and uh, I'll I'll go check at some point. Because I feel like even when Eva is telling Bo what happened to her, that she makes a mention of the fact that you know, but he didn't do this thing. He kept me, and he had a you know perverse sense of fun, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So not too. Not yeah, not excusing the Dark King's behavior by any means, but I I, no. I think it seemed like he was maybe acting against protocol, perhaps in that yeah, regard. You're defending the protocol, protocol, not the rule breaker here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, so more organized, more stable leadership that doles out punishments. It seemed like, and and Myers comparing the Dark Fae to the Light Fae in. Dead Lucky, when he's sending his his nephew away to be punished, he he caught. I think he says they're less forgiving hmm. than, than the Light Fae, which again I think maybe relates to this this fact that we've we've seen the Dark Fae get punished quite a bit. And the thing is, too, I mean, listening to the list of things we've heard people punished for, basically it's always something in which they act against other Dark Fae. So yeah, and I mean, it makes sense that they would because they're governing what is arguably a more unruly group that they'd have to have a tighter hold on them, I guess, mm. especially if they act against each other. Right. It's definitely a, a funnier line to walk, right? Because you've got this group that's clearly more unruly, like you're saying, but that are also really resistant to authority. Like they're into it for the fun of it. I mean, whether the fun is like killing somebody or just, you know, going about their business. So the, it's it's a weird leadership line to rock and the uh, the Morgan Ebony does it well. I mean, you know, and in great clothes too. So, <laughs> and I think there's also a greater sense that the dark really rule by fear because when we see mm. in Into the Dark that that Ebony can melt people, Vex make the comment about you know why do you think she's the Morgan because she has this really scary power where she can just basically hold out <laughs> her hand and you're Gonzo, and <laughs> and so definitely I think. Yeah, there's the sense that there's a strict leadership and that they rule by people being afraid of them. And I'm not saying that people aren't afraid of the Ash necessarily, but I think there's there's less of that sense that that's why he's the the Ash is in charge is because people mm. are scared of him. But but yeah, so despite all of this fear and melting and everything, mm -hmm. we we do seem see from our dark fake characters that they tend to be more funny. They tend to sort of take life less seriously than our light fake characters. Yeah, yeah. If if the show was just the light fae, I feel like it would get really, like, it might get dull. Like, they need each other to play off of. Because they have this weird sense of morality where it's, you know, all about me, but me is good. They t can get really wacky because it's all for their, you know, individual good. Thinking about it, it's kind of like the two sides of Angel from Buffy and Angel. Because, <laughs> you know, good Angel, Angelus, right? right? Is, yes. Good Angel is burdened by his soul, 
Mm-hmm. So he's all dark and broody. Yeah. <laughs> right. But then there's Angelus, who has no soul and is, you know, evil, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yes. Yeah, Again, going back is. to Kinsey's definition, light fair jerks, <laughs> dark fair jerks who have fun. <laughs> Basically, right. yeah. 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 Angel, I mean, but neither could really work. Like, if Angel was only Angelus all the time, like... Uh, it would be exhausting, right? Because he'd be constantly oh, nailing puppies to walls and stuff. I mean, it would be awful. But if it would, you know, because he's got this broody angel to go back to, you're like, oh, I want you to be good. But, uh, you know, stop brooding so much, man. Yeah. <laughs> Brood <Brood-tuitous. laughs> Exactly. Which again is gratuitous brooding <laughs> for anybody who didn't who didn't follow me there. That is what br- gratuitous brootiness. Yes, I love that portmanteau that you and your friend made up. But it is interesting to me that we see the dark fae have female leadership in the Morrigan, whereas we haven't, I don't think, seen a female leader on the light fae side. I mean, I guess we do get the ambassador that Hale is talking to in. Which episode is it? It's probably Fade to Black, where, you know, she's supposed to be communicating with her ancestors. But the Morrigan, I think, is a, is a bit higher of a position than, than that. But maybe I'm wrong. Oh, what about the woman who was essentially the motivational speaker? Oh, I the, glaze. That was the, the Glaze. The Glaze. Yeah, that was the only one. Yeah. 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 But she... Because she was like Faye. She turned bad, though. Yeah. <laughs> And plus, the Morgan or Ebony talks about being a woman in leadership a lot. So I feel like she's imminently memeable when she does that. I mean, you know, so, so everyone meme everything the Morgan says about being a female leader, please, because I'll use them. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so we have the Morgan who's a female leader, which is awesome. But, you know, she's probably the one of the meanest characters we have. And she's consistently (laughs) an antagonist. I feel maybe we get some sympathy for the Morrigan after Lauren turns her human in season four. But she's been (laughs) consistently a baddie in a way that Vex hasn't. Vex has been a little bit more flexible in regards to whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. I feel like they had to pull Vex back from where he was at the very first in the very first episode. Otherwise, you couldn't really bring him back. I mean, Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's already pretty hard to, like, be around somebody who kills children. I mean, that's, you know, forces a mother to kill her children. That's, you know, pretty unconscionable. But it makes it watchable because you see his guilt for it, you know, that he regrets it. I mean, even if initially you don't see it when they bring him back again, he starts to regret different things. Which is, by the way, why I think that whole scene toward the end of season four where he's talking to Kenzie and she wants him to help her kill Massimo is so powerful because Mm -hmm. it shows a dark character who wants to do something right, but because he's dark, his usefulness to Kenzie at that moment is being cruel and killing people. So it makes me wonder if other dark characters are more like Vex in that moment or the sister we talked about earlier, who of the the sisters in the clinic, the Sirquettes, the Sirquettes, yeah, good job. The Sirquettes, uh, you know, she she wants to do, she doesn't want to hurt people, but she's just expected to. So 
And with Vex, we also learn in the in the fourth season that maybe he was forced into becoming the person that we see him being in the first season because he says that he in order to survive everybody was killing off the mesmers and in order to to survive he became what he is today a servant of the dark right well and he he does talk a lot about loyalty to the dark i mean different characters talk about their loyalty or their fealty to the different different groups so yeah i'm not sure what exact i mean loyalty is just loyalty you do what somebody tells you to do it's not more it doesn't ha- necessarily have a value system it's just the value is the morrigan says do this thing so i'm gonna do it um not nothing more morally complex than that right so maybe he's complexifying it whoa <laughs> <laughs> but again i mean the thing we've seen from the dark is if they punish their own it's for hurting their own so i mean that kind of makes sense in that in that way. So, or falling in love with a human. That's yes, that bad. was a big no, no. But maybe that's some creepy, like diluting the bloodline kind of prejudice there. I feel like they're pretty scary as far as that kind of stuff. So maybe they have a bloodline problem. But the Morgan had a son with a human. True. And she escaped punishment. But I think Good really Luann was punished by like abandoning the Dark Fae because it seemed like she. Mm abandoned her clan and was trying to blend in as a human and leave that part behind her. And I think that's gotcha. probably why she was punished. Mm-hmm. So Sounds good. Because, yeah, because we see Luann Heide- Heidegger. It's interesting because we have in the in the pilot episode, we have this evil, evil character in Vex, who's dark. We have, we have Siegfried, who's fairly benign. And then we have Luann, who's super sympathetic. And yet they're all dark fae. Good call. And then, of course, in regards to other major characters who are dark, we have Tamsin, and there's some banter between her and Dyson at the beginning of season three about kind of what makes her dark. She comes onto the scene, and her big mission is to investigate this dark fae that Bo chi sucks at the end of Cage Fae, and Bo apparently doesn't remember doing it. And Tamsin is there to sort of nail Bo down and, and punish her for this crime against the dark character. Again, theme, you get punished for acting against the Dark Fae. Mm-hmm. And Dyson makes some sort of crack in Fade to Black where Tamsin is not really trying to stop the guy from committing suicide. And Dyson is, and he makes some comment about, you know, that's so very dark of you or something like that. But we see Tamsin really abandon her allegiance to the Dark pretty quickly in season three. Because mm-hmm. in the Kenzie scale, you know, she's supposed to go and wake up the Dark Fae guy who Bo Chi sucked and, and try to see if it was Bo who did it, and she lies to the Morrigan about what he says. Yeah, I, her, there her her Bo love trumps her dark loyalty. And going back to the three dark characters in Vexed and their relative sympathies, see, this goes back to my, my thing about it depends on how close they are to Bo, alliance-wise, mm-hmm. hmm. or allegiance-wise, because, okay... Vex is, as we said before, at this point, a servant of the Dark. So he's like fully aligned with the Dark Fae, not sympathetic at all. Siegfried, we know, is at least willing to work with Bo. So he's a little more flexible, fairly sympathetic, or at least neutral, you know. And then there's Luann, who has abandoned her alliance with the Dark and is completely sympathetic. Good call. Yeah, they're absolutely along a line that of 
you know, further away from the dark you get, the the more we sympathize with them. Yeah. But I think probably of our major dark characters, Tamsin's probably the most sympathetic. I don't know that we ever see her do something as evil as as Vex supposedly does in a couple of episodes in the beginning. There's a lot of hint that like far past Tamsin has done horrible, horrible things like, but they never say what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more creeped out by things that we get explicitly told to us than I am just sort of a vague reference to centuries of evil in the past, you know? So I, yeah, I think that Tamsin, and it seems like the things that she did are in the context of like great wars, I guess, which does not make them any more terrible things, but certainly puts them in a different kind of, we perceive actions like that taken in a war differently. So She does say she was a bounty hunter for a time, but we don't mm-hmm. get a sense of what she did. So yeah, it's all been very vague in regards to what Tamsin has done in the past. So I think that makes her the most sympathetic of our, of our dark characters. And she's the quickest to be like, yay, Bo! Which I actually have mixed feelings about. I kind of wish that they had kept her sympathies apart from Bo a bit longer because I, I would really like to have a a dark character on the show who was more antagonistic toward Bo. But mm-hmm. they did what they did. I like Tamsin, so yeah. it's fine. But yeah. I, I do kind of wish that we had a more antagonistic dark character on the show at times. Although I do appreciate that they at least played up the whole, like, you know, I kind of like you, but I don't want to like you. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, everybody inevitably loves Bo eventually. You know? Except the Morrigan. Except, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, she she doesn't, I mean, she hates her on a political level, but I get the sense that she would not tell Bo no, ever. You know, she's got those satin sheets all waiting. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tell her no in which regard there, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm just saying. Any regard? (laughs) Anywhere, yeah. (laughs) Anytime. I mean, when Bo showed up in, like, a trench coat, Morgan was kind of like, okay. Okay, (laughs) why not? Let's go. When is this happening? Now? Okay, awesome. (laughs) Let Uh, me grab my handcuffs. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Her, the, the way she played that whole how much she ooh likes Bo, but ooh doesn't. It was just, I don't, I, it cracks me up every time, that whole scene. Anyway. <laughs> but I guess we do have, as far as, as sympathetic dark characters go, we do have Bruce. He isn't quite as prominent a character as Tamsin, but he's, you know, he's so likable, Bruce. Bruce! Again, yeah. sort of breaking the rules and helping Kenzie when he wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, plus he's got that PhD in medieval verse, and everybody knows getting a PhD makes you eminently more likable, right? <laughs> no, that's right. No. <laughs> no. Elizabeth's like, no, actually, I don't get invited to any parties. <laughs> that's not true. You get invited to parties, but they're with other PhD candidates. That's right. And they cover me in sushi. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Because they're wasabi in uncomfortable places. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're the one who brought it up. <laughs> but yeah, so Bruce, he's he's so sympathetic and so likable, even when he's first introduced. Though I'm not entirely sure if it's supposed to be the same guy or his brother. I don't know, because he says he's not Bruce <laughs> when he first appears in Confagion. 
He's, I think he says his name is Steve. Steve. I want to say Steve. That sounds right. Because I get mixed up because she mentions his brother and then he's like, I think he says Dave. So, or, or she calls his brother Dave. Anyway, he says his name isn't Bruce in Confagion. But even then, I feel like he was still super sympathetic because of how mean the Morgan was to him and just how slumped over and sorry he was that he failed her. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he's just always been this very sympathetic character, despite being this huge, dark fey guy. And certainly his relationship to Kenzie is what pushes him over to the edge to, oh, we like Bruce. Bruce is the best. I love you too, Kenzie. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to the car, Chris. <laughs> but a dark fey character that I always found very fascinating was Meyer from Dead Lucky. Mm-hmm. who is supposed to be kind of higher up. He seems to strike some fear into the hearts of at least the Light Fae. Both, both Dyson and his buddy, Eddie, I believe, who worked in the morgue, were kind of like, Meyer? Meyer, Meyer? Ugh. But when we meet Meyer, he's like kind of a nice, genial guy. He kind of seems like somebody you might know. Maybe you have an uncle kind of like Meyer. Do you have uncles that are in the mafia, Stephanie? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> because but Meyer's kind of, he's like kindly. It sounds useful. <laughs> no. Meyer's like, you know, he's kindly. He seems like a reasonable guy. Yeah, I'm with you. He, he kind of works out of just a, a business model kind of way of thinking, you know? So anyway, but I really like Meyer and I find him an interesting portrayal yeah. of a dark figure. Because he doesn't seem that bad, but yet when he finds out Seymour has been betraying him off to the dungeon or wherever Mm -hmm. Seymour goes. Yeah, I I find him a really interesting character, too. I wish he'd come back. I mean, just because Mm -hmm. we've got the end because he's Cassie's uncle. So we've seen her again. So we could always get more Chinese food and, you know, that would be great. Yeah, you're right. He, He seems reasonable, but also he's scary like he seems like he could turn on a dime like a mm-hmm. you know a scary uncle <laughs> <laughs> scary uncles no <laughs> this conversation just took a weird turn <laughs> yes yeah, so we have meyer and i think part of the reason why meyer comes off as kind of sympathetic to me is he really seems to try to warn Bo in vexed about her her line of action you know, even though she's not really, you know, she's not Dark Fay, he tries to to tell her, you know, this is this is something dangerous you're getting yourself into here. Not like he's going to stop her from doing it or anything. Just by the way, you should be warned. This is a this is a bad situation. Which, yeah, I think that's that's another thing that goes on a lot in the dark is just the idea that yeah, you can do risky things if you want. Maybe we'll warn you, maybe not, but, you know, go for it. Whatever. You know, they're not really trying to keep you from doing what you want. And then, of course, we have Ryan, who is a prominent Dark Fate character in the second season. Mm -hmm. And he was very much, as we mentioned before, very much in the middle. He was willing to work with the Ash, kind of break some rules in regards to Light Fate, Dark Fate relations. And he was never really all that much of a bad guy he was more cavalier in his attitudes toward humans mm-hmm. which i think we see in the conflict about introducing nate to the morrigan in table for fay and again with the with the dark face sisters the circuits where he's willing to let them go because they haven't really broken any rules but you know ryan does really doesn't really seem like all that bad of a guy 
in regards to his treatment of of humans or other fae, etc. Yeah, he's manipulative and mischievous, but he's not, I mean, we don't see him kill anybody. I'm hesitating because I'm not, I don't think we do. I don't think we do either. Uh, and we don't really hear about him doing anything terrible. Yeah, he's just cavalier, like you said, about his attitude toward other people, especially humans. I think the worst we see him get is in Fainted Love, where he tries to get the Adunk to make Bo love him forever or to like wipe mm-hmm. her memory, you know? But at the same time, he had had Bo's blood mixed with his and he was all obsessy. So whether he would have done that if he had been his normal self, I I actually don't really think so. But but that's probably, I think, the worst we see him act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we can hold him accountable for that necessarily. Just because, yeah, you're right. He's he's under an influence that's making him do crazy stuff. So, And, you know, he's got that whole, you know, his lair is very, you know, Iron Man kind of lair that he's got. It doesn't seem to be a torture chamber, like, you know, or anything. You know, he's just some guy who likes to mess with machines. So it's not so evil. But we do have several characters besides Bruce, I think, that are fairly benign dark fake characters. We have Pietra, who was like an instant audience favorite, it seems like, when she showed up and let the dark times roll. Because she was also a docubus shipper. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. She is us in a lot of ways. Except she, you know, she stabs a couple of people. I mean, that's they true. Seem to that's be, true. They seem to be, I, I was always unsure about exactly what happens there. They're part of the wedding party is just like out dumped somewhere and they're sort of moaning like yeah uh, you know maybe not quite dead so she got that handy dagger and just stabbed them which was also out in the open for some reason even though it was super valuable it was kind of a weird situation (laughs) i mean like you do with all your valuable artifacts you know i always hide them by the trash you know (laughs) so but yeah you you do make a good point we do see her kind of carelessly stab a couple of people. So, yeah, a little bit darker there. But we and, still love her. But we still <laughs> like Pietra. She's still very likable. Yeah. And then there's, there's of course, there's Hamish from I Fought the Fae and the Fae One, who was the dark fae love of the stag. Sabine. The fae who was the stag. Sabine. Sabine. There you go. Where Sabine was punished and thrown in jail for trying to elope with her dark fae lover. But he didn't seem to get punished for that. Yeah. But he just seemed like a regular kind of sweet guy. Eventually yeah. he did, yeah. Yeah. At, at first, first he was a jerk. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. 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 At first we thought he was gonna just let his love who of, you know, who'd been in jail for eighty years just get stabbed and not see her. But turns out we were wrong, so it's okay. <laughs> also Denise says or clarifies, rather, meaning the Morgan tried to provide Bo with some sense of the politics of what it takes to lead either the light or dark. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of what it takes to lead these people <laughs> that, that maybe we could, you know, talk about here or somewhere else. Just that it takes a lot to keep people with various powers uh, and morals and senses of responsibility from just being total anarchy, you know? I mean, it takes a definite set of skills, which the Morgan has. (laughs) 
Do you sympathize, Stephanie, since since yes, you regularly have to <laughs> wrangle me and Annie? I do. I do. tangents. Mm-hmm. Chris and Annie, good, good, uh, you know, representatives of the Fae. (laughs) (laughs) The chaotic, unlawful dark Fae. Yeah, that's right. Questionable. I sadly can't melt them, though. (laughs) That might help. (laughs) Oh, no. You've given her ideas. Offended. Oh, this is a thing I just thought of this afternoon. So, okay, in season four, we learned that the alliance that you have is determined through your blood because the gargoyle in Turn to Stone is able to tell by biting Bo that she's dark. I will challenge your wording there. I don't think that their allegiance is determined by their blood, but it does suggest that it can be read by tasting their blood. So it's like in their blood. Somehow your allegiance is is physically becomes a part of you when you are claimed or, you know, when you align yourself, your blood changes or at least changes taste. Ew. So... You know, something physical is going on. So that implies for me, too, that this whole dark light thing, although it's a choice, it does actually physically change you in some way. So I'm not sure what we want to do with that, you guys. It's doing something (laughs) to your body. Hmm. All the more reason for Bo to reject the system, right? That's right. That's right. So in regards to what we might see from the Dark Fae in Season 5, we've got, of course, Ebony, who is now human, but is still the leader of the Dark. Is she going to try to maintain that position and have people not realize that she's now human? Or will the Dark turn on her now that she's human? I am very curious to see what happens to her. Yeah, that's an excellent series of questions. So... She's she's human now, so is it even possible that she would be able to keep it a secret from anybody for very long? It right, because seems... like Di- Dyson's in the room for, with her for a few seconds, and he's yeah. like, "You're human now." Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they've established that they can tell because Lauren had to coat herself in skunk ape yeah. secretions or is whatever it was. Gonna coat herself in skunk ape secretions now? But then they'd think, think she was a skunk work. ape, and how would she turn into a skunk ape? That doesn't make sense yeah. either. Good so. call. Yeah. Good call. But yeah, there's there's not it seems like not every Fae can sense other Fae mm. because they make it a point of, oh, let's send Dyson in because he can sense other Fae. But certainly somebody in the dark organization can. So I don't think that the Morgan would able to be able to hide the fact that she's not Faye any longer for very long. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to shake up the dark Faye leadership and maybe see some creepy elders. That would be fun. <laughs> I don't see Vex going for the position again, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, he, he didn't like paperwork. I'm, I'm very sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of paperwork that goes with leadership, and it's often unpleasant. And then we've got... We've got Vex. I don't know that there's a clear storyline spelled out for Vex in season five, but he's going to be around because yeah. the writers love Vex and Paul Amos, and he's always a lot of lot of fun. Yeah, he's fun, and they have they have this whole they've created a character who's moving. In other words, he's he's doing something different in a consistent way across the seasons. Like he he's actually changed from what we talked about in Vexed. 
So in a, in a way that makes sense, you know, we followed his progression. So I hope that we keep following that progression and figure out and like that he stays a little evil because otherwise boring, you know, <laughs> but that things, yeah, things keep being different. Perhaps he will help them in their quest for Kenzie, and then he and Kenzie will go shoe shopping together. Yes, yes. I feel like he'll somehow provide some wardrobe or something at some point in the quest for Kenzie. Because why not? There, There is the whole hell shoe uh, angle, so... It's true. He's the only person we've seen besides Kenzie who can really wear a shoe, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that we've at least highlighted in the show. <laughs> And I don't know if this is necessarily going to be dark related, but I am curious to see if they explore more of Bo trying to unalign herself mm -hmm. again, and if that will maybe put her in conflict with the Dart, given that now technically, you know, she is she owes her allegiance to them, her fealty to them. Right. So I'm not sure how Tamsin's storyline might be related to the Dark Fae. It seems to be more they're heading toward tackling issues from her past and getting her right with her Valkyrie kin, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But but definitely some interesting stuff could be coming for the, from the Dark Fae in Season 5. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I wanted to say thank you very much to Elizabeth for being our guest and for bringing your, your, your nerdiness in regards <laughs> to philosophy to the podcast. Oh, well, thanks so much for <laughs> indulging me. It's been really fun, you guys. Yay! And if you want, you can check out where Elizabeth has been talking about comics over at womenwriteaboutcomics.com. You've written about She-Hulk and Batgirl, and then what else have you written about? How it is to study religion and comic books. And then you've got another one coming out yeah, soon it's about... coming out soon. I think I'm going to talk about how religion and comic books relate anyway. Because they have a relationship, you guys, but it's not necessarily what you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yes, so go check out Elizabeth writing about comics. You can chastise her in the comments for not writing her dissertation. That's what, what I like to do. Awesome. <laughs> yes, please do. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about the Dark Fae. You can send us those thoughts in a variety of ways. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at drinksatthedoll.com slash 58. You can also send us an email to feedback at drinksatthedoll.com, or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.